Welcome to the Mindful Life Podcast. Join me, your host, Marianne Eve, mental health social worker and mindfulness educator, as I navigate living my best life with the intention to educate and raise the collective consciousness around the benefits of living a mindful life. Each week via the Mindful Life Podcast, I will bring to you a range of content, including special guests that explore mindfulness, mindset, and mental health. Are you feeling tired or are you under stress? Are you overloaded or just generally feeling overwhelmed? Well, I'm really excited to share a very special stress reduction tool that I've been using and recommending to my clients for a number of years. Calm is the number one app for meditation, relaxation and sleep. With over 21 million downloads and achieving the Apple App of the Year in 2017, Calm is so perfectly aligned with all that I do as a mental health professional and all that I teach here at the Mindful Life Podcast. It is the perfect stress relief strategy and the perfect mindfulness tool. The app has so many fantastic and easy to use features, including Daily Calm, a brand new 10 minute meditation every day, 100 plus guided meditations covering anxiety, focus, gratitude, and so much more. 80 plus sleep stories to settle the mind and relax the body. Exclusive music tracks for focus, relaxation, and sleep. Calm Masterclass featuring world-renowned mindfulness experts. My personal favorites include sleep stories, and I've recently discovered Calm Music, which I have on a continuous loop at my practice, in counseling sessions, and in classes. I also love the Calm Masterclass videos, which cover some fantastic topics, including gratitude, happiness, and mindful eating. And not to mention all the great features the app now offers for kids, including sleep stories, meditations, and lullabies. I'm so very excited to be partnering with Calm to bring you, my listeners, some amazing offers. Calm is so generously offering the Mindful Life podcast listeners a free four-week subscription to the Calm Premium app. All you need to do is head to the following link, calm.com forward slash calm health trial. That's calm.com forward slash calm health trial and just follow the prompts to enjoy your free four-week trial of calm premium you'll be feeling calm relaxed and at peace in no time the mindful life podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast was recorded We recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community and pay respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello and thanks for joining me for episode number 31 of the Mindful Life podcast. In today's episode, I talk with 20-year-old Maya Dove. Maya is the picture of strength, determination and resilience. At six weeks of age, Maya was found to have cysts on her spine which resulted in a spinal cord injury. Maya is a T3 paraplegic, which means she has no control or sensations from her stomach down and everything up to her chest is numb. 
In Australia, there are 12,000 people living with a spinal cord injury and each year there are approximately 400 new cases. Maya has spent the vast majority of her life in a wheelchair, but this hasn't stopped her. To date, she has lived a full and determined life. Her humour, her strength of character and her can-do attitude has seen her compete here and throughout the world in wheelchair sports. Maya also recently embarked on a solo seven-week European trip, which was mainly for pleasure, but she also snuck in a couple of races in Switzerland in week one. Maya is a force to be reckoned with, but like all of us, she faces challenges and obstacles on a daily basis, but she approaches these with determination and positivity. Maya is a shining example of living a mindful life. Her acceptance of what is, positive outlook and attitude, and her ability to live her life to its fullest in the now are an inspiring lesson for us all. So I'm here with Maya Dove, who is a wheelchair athlete. Welcome, Maya. Thank Lovely you. to see you. So That's Maya cool. and I have, um, I guess, a bit of a history. Our daughters went, sorry, my daughter and Maya, <laughs> went to school together in King Lake. Uh, but Maya's now 20, so she's an adult and she's <laughs> living a very full life. So I'm having a bit of a chat to Maya today um, about what life uh, is having in store with her lately. So welcome, Maya. Thank you. Nice to be here. Excellent. So do you want to um, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself um, and where you're at in life? Um, yeah, so I'm 20. I just came back from travelling around Europe. That was amazing. And now I'm back at work in uni. Yep. So life is a bit boring at the moment, but I'm very busy and I'm studying psychology, which is very in tune with what we're talking about today yes absolutely yeah, yeah. and uh yeah just busy going through doing all the day-to-day -day boring things that everyone does so let's go back to the travel so you've yeah. just come back from europe yes i just came i was came back about um, at the start of the last month yeah so were you did you travel on your own or? yeah i was completely on my own wow except for the very start i did a sporting competition over there for about the first week and then after that i was completely on my own yeah. So what did the sporting I do, uh, competition involve? Um, it was a track meet, so with a whole lot of bunch of other athletes from all across the world, and it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. it was, I got to take a lot in and make new connections, which was amazing. Fantastic. So on that, you were involved in wheelchair athletics. Yes. So did you want to talk a little bit about um, you know, the, the sport that you're part of and how you got involved in that? Yeah, so I started this sport a few years ago now, I was about 17, um, almost at the end of year 11, and I saw one of my other friends who I used to play, I used to play wheelchair basketball with, and I did that before moving to athletics, and he was doing this sport, and I was like, oh, that looks like something that I'd be interested in, and so I went down there on a training session, and um, the coach gave me... Um, a let me borrow a race chair that day and so I was like oh well I better stick to this and I've liked it ever since. So athletics yes obviously in a wheelchair yeah it, so it's basically you're in like a it's like a narrow chair and it's got like two three wheels two big wheels at the side and one wheel at the front and you just push and you can go for however distance you like. So are there different um, races like different distances like 100 meters to yeah it's meters. like 100 meters 200 it's all the um 
the same yeah. um, events, and but you just do it in your, in your sporting wheelchair. And when you do it, um, so locally, so like if you're with like uh, your town's um, group, you can even like compete with just like the normal people because it's just made managing your time rather than having to like depend whether you come first or second or anything. So it's kind of a race against yourself in some yeah, ways, like sometimes. looking at, at improving yeah. your own time. Until you get to like the big, the big league, then you're just basically just against yourself. Yeah. So you so wheelchair athletics, but you've also done wheelchair basketball. Yeah, you I did well, Yeah. Was that sort of through the teen years? I seem to remember you doing yeah. that as a teenager. Yeah, I did it as more from when I was about fourteen to seventeen. Um, I did it for I did it like just locally, and then I played one season. Um, in the under 20s the state team and that was really fun but I just didn't feel as comfortable as I do with athletics now didn't enjoy it as much yeah as... not as much it's just very different and I'm very small and people were so much bigger than me so I just found a sport where I really fit in and it's a team sport too so I guess it's kind of a different dynamic yeah isn't it's very it? different even though with athletics when you're in like say I went overseas that's very much you're still on a team but it's very much you worrying about yourself for a little bit, so you don't, yeah, it's not as pressuring. Absolutely. You just, as I said before, maybe you're just racing against yourself yeah, it's just your, your own, own time. Yeah. yeah. So you're in a wheelchair. Let's yes. talk about that, your spinal cord injury. Yeah. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? So I have a spinal cord injury at the thoracic level. So basically that means that's technically at a quadriplegic level, um, but I still have pretty maintain like I have pretty good function of my hands. Um, my right hand is a bit is is impaired, and same with like my um, upper upper body. But basically, what happened was neuroenteric cysts were found throughout my spinal cord, and you, what they are is they're little cells that usually form in your esophagus. Um, they sometimes just get in the wrong place and they could either be and then they formed throughout your spinal cord or in your brain but for me it was in my spinal cord and so um my parents found out about that at six weeks after just noticing that I was losing weight and I was getting squinty eyes all the basic telltale signs and then they cut them out and so I've had a spinal cord injury ever since so you've only known life in a wheelchair. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I've known. I haven't known any different. I don't know what it's like to walk. <laughs> so yeah. So I know Maya personally. Yeah. You know, I I remember Maya. Um, you know, in kindergarten with my mm. daughter, childcare school, and Maya's always been a very happy-go-lucky yeah kind of person. Like I, it it, it makes me sort of wonder, Maya. You know, you are very happy and resilient mm. and. When you, I think when you're that age too, you don't really know any different. Mm. And especially growing up in King Lake, like, you're somewhat, you're not completely isolated, but you're somewhat, like, growing up in King Lake, I didn't know anything outside of, like, who I went to school with. So for me, it was just like, oh, I didn't really know any different. You know, I still went out and played with everybody. It wasn't until, like, I don't know, so you start venturing out and you kind of realise, oh, actually. I am a bit different. I am different. Or there are things that maybe are a challenge. Yeah. Are there, you know, obvious question, are there things in life that are a challenge or how do you face these challenges? I think, yeah, there are certainly things that are challenges and you do have good days and bad days. Um, but it's more just just as, like, just little things. Mm. Sometimes it can get frustrating. Just And sometimes when, like, 
your own personal yourself like you can get frustrated like that's the one thing I think I struggle with is just the frustration sometimes the, the frustration of being different and some mm. and one thing that I do struggle what well, I have struggled with growing up was because it wasn't like I had like it wasn't like I was in a car accident mm. I was just born this way so that's the one big frustration like why that's a big question like sometimes like I used to ask when I was little because I didn't really understand the why I was different mm. I didn't really understand what was wrong with me um so yeah so was it kind of a why me why did yeah. this happen to me yeah sometimes um yeah just growing up it was very much like a why me like what's wrong with me and why and I think now I'm at a good point because I've made friends with people that have spinal cord injuries Mm. now I kind of have like the inside and now I'm older so I'm able to like think and reflect and know but um like you still get like that grief of like what Mm. what even though I don't know what I've lost I still you still have that grief of like what isn't the same isn't it interesting you know someone might think well how can she miss something that she's never had but when it's in your face all the time yeah you still know what you're missing absolutely like what's different I suppose I should not what I'm missing out on because I'm not missing like my life is still great it's just more like what's different you've got a very supportive family as well lots of siblings yes (laughs) benefits being one of four one of four yep so twins grace and jack yeah. and then emily and then who's emily. just a little bit younger mm, yes yep. so you're still living at home uh yeah uh last year i moved out just i got a scholarship to stay student accommodation but i found it was too much at the start of the year i was struggling with all the change that was going on i was um going through starting uni and then I was having like a breakdown in a relationship and just everything was changing too much. Mm. So, and then so the staying at home was like the one thing that... The stability. It's just, yeah, I just couldn't cope. And, but then I did, so then I kind of like came back home for a little bit. But then I, yeah, so I did try the living out at home a bit, but now I'm back home. So in terms of your independence, yeah. you know, how independent are you? I'm really independent. So you're driving? Yeah, I'm driving. I drive I make my own food um yeah and I like going out and a lot of time I just go out on my own so yeah I'm very independent you're obviously very confident to do yeah, all that I'm very well you've just come back from Europe yeah. on your own what about mobility and stuff in Europe how did you find that you know in terms of um, accommodation and transport and all that sort of stuff how did you go being in a wheelchair it was very diff- it was it was quite difficult at some points like I found out my way to get around places and luckily I was in the city so everything was somewhat close to me so finding accommodation was fine because I would just I like it bought a Airbnb to stay at rented an Airbnb and then I went and stayed in like hotels or like hostels and that was pretty fine it was just more like the underground tubes most of the trains were somewhat accessible it was just would be like the tubes where you don't know whether which stop is accessible but I, usually people if I wanted help I used, I wasn't afraid to like ask someone That's and they great. would just pretty much like lift me onto the train and so it was fine yeah and there's the language barrier I remember when I went yeah. to Paris it's like okay I'm listening for that you know the name of that station or yeah. looking for it or, it's yeah. so stressful but it's good though it's really yeah, it's good really for your good. confidence and your mm. learning and particularly for someone like yourself yeah it was it was amazing I how really, long were you gone for almost seven weeks it was wow. a day just under seven weeks so which countries did you go to i went to switzerland 
Germany, the UK and France. Fantastic. Did you, I don't know, catch up with anyone along the way? Uh, yeah, in my mum's from the UK. So I'm caught up with all of her family. Oh, they are too. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, my, so I met all my mum's cousins and my nan's sister-in-law. <sighs> And my, Did you say met? Had you not met them before? No, I'd never met them before. Oh, how exciting. So it was so amazing. We were both very nervous. Like, I was very nervous. And then when I got speaking to um, my relatives, they were saying, like, yeah, I was nervous too. Because yeah. <laughs> we hadn't even met each other. And I then, didn't know what to expect. Yeah, my mum's aunties and uncles on her dad's side are still alive. So I was able to spend time with them, which was... It was so lovely. Yeah. And then I met with a pen pal that I'd had for 10 years we'd never met before so we met for the first time in London and that was that was amazing too so you're pushing so many barriers yeah. there, so many boundaries how scary you know when I went to Paris myself um last year Sean treated me to a trip to Paris oh, nice. which was really nice in Amsterdam as well but I was so scared yeah I was before I went on the um before I went for my flight I was absolutely petrified like I think there was, I was having like really bad like panics, mm. just anxiety. But I think it was like on a, like an unconscious level, ah. which was so weird because I was like, in my head I'm like, no, I'm fine, like completely numb to it. But I was feeling like cold and shaking, and I was just so out of sorts. But by the time I got there, I was completely fine. So you pushed through. Yeah. Outside your comfort zone. Yeah. You sat with the anxiety and the discomfort. Yes. Because you knew that it I knew was that I wanted awesome. to. Yeah, that's like my my parents too. I think before I was going, things just, I kept losing things. Cause I think I was just so worried. So like with my racing gloves, I thought I lost them, but then I ended up I left them somewhere at the track, and so I had to go and get them. And then I was just telling them, I'm like, I don't want to go anymore. Oh. And my mom's like, No, you're going. So some doubts. Yeah, but I was fine. Which is very normal. Yeah, it's very normal. Very normal to be scared because I've never done it before. I've the most I've done is a couple of trips um, just by myself around, like, to Queensland or Canberra. Um, but I hadn't. this is the first time me going overseas on my own. Well, it's a good demonstration of resilience, yeah. confidence, independence. Mm. Well, what, what would you say to someone else in a similar position, you know, someone else in a wheelchair or with a disability who was reluctant to travel or follow their dreams? I think just be, just be prepared and, like, as long as you're planned and you know what you need and you know what you want there's no stopping you I've had, like even people who are able-bodied I couldn't highly recommend it enough it's about research too yeah. isn't it you know I'm sure you will ring ahead and, and yeah. find out in terms of mobility and bathrooms and mm. lifts and oh yeah I did a lot of research I looked online and there's so many different blogs that say mm. like how to get around what's the best ways to get around and so that's what I did brilliant yeah. and you're at uni studying yes. psychology so how's the uni experience been so far it's been great. Um, last Which uni are you at? I'm at RMIT in the city, um, which is great. I love it. At last year, I was doing a different course. I was doing an environment and society course. And um, I liked, I really liked the environment because I really care about, like, environmental issues. But I think studying, I just found it wasn't for me. Um, so I changed and did psychology, uh, which is under the social science mm-hmm. banner. So um, I'm still doing all those society subjects, but more now the psychology subject too and I'm, I love it it's great enjoying it yeah it, I really like being RMIT too because it doesn't feel like I'm going into uni because it's all the way into the, it's in the city so do you drive in or get the train I catch the train 
Um, but yeah, when I feel, because I go in there at uni, it's so like you don't go very often. So when I go there, it's almost like a day off. So yeah, it's nice. So there's a lot of it online. Do you do a lot of yeah. online stuff? Yeah, so like yeah. lectures you can watch online. Even could do the classes online. Things have changed since it's I was so at changed, uni. Like yeah. you used to have to go every day, but now mm. I mean, my storm tells me the same. Though you only have to go to one lecture a week. It's all online. Or yeah, it's all online. Do you tutor or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Well, that's got to be easy for you in terms of, you know, access and mobility as well. Yeah, it's pretty handy. So you're working as well? Yeah, I work at the non, just oh. doing admin. So, Enjoy yeah. that? Yeah, it's, it's nice. It's really handy and everyone that I work with is lovely. So. Okay. Something I want to talk about, I noticed on your blog, and I know, I know this anyway, mm. you guys have had so many dogs. Oh, uh, yeah. So <laughs> why dogs. so many dogs? Like, that's... Ask Dad and Grace. And They're Princess. Crazy. So Princess was around. She's still around. Well, she was around, I'm sure, when you were in kinder. Yeah. Am I wrong? She's really How old. How old is she? She's about 16. Wow. She's so old. She doesn't move. So, you know, obviously this is a podcast about mental health. Yeah. I work in mental health. I want to talk about this idea that pets can help us through tough they times. can so help you. Can be therapeutic. They're so have you found that with all your multitude of dogs that yeah. you've had I think my dogs also sense when something's wrong mm. especially Princess if I'm upset Princess a lot of the time she will come over to me yesterday she did a weird thing I was feeling a bit anxious in the morning and then she walked over to my room when I wasn't in there which I don't know why because she can't really walk so I think maybe she might have sensed something and then my dogs they're just goofy so they just come up to you doesn't matter so yeah but so they've do you think they've been helpful for you? Yeah, I think during so. During some of the difficult times? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes they can get really frustrating, especially because we have two Great Danes, so they can just be silly. Um, but I love them, and they always... It's so good seeing their positive face, especially when you get home from, like, a day, and they're there, because my two Great Danes, they're always at the front door. So if I get home, they're, like, they're right there, and they're so cute. It's a nice greeting. Yeah. And it's that unconditional love, isn't it? Mm, yeah, they don't, uh, they don't care. They don't judge. They're, they're right there in the moment yeah. loving you for who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, but Dad and Grace are very much dog lovers. Dog lovers. They would have a million if they could. So does the Great Dane run? Does Mum still run? Yeah, Mum runs. So the Great um, Dane runs with Mum? She used to, um, but now Mum doesn't really run with them anymore because they just get a bit silly. Yeah. So um, usually they, they take them out. But yeah, mum still runs. Excellent. So I've got written down here public speaking. Yes. So you've been doing a bit of public speaking. Tell me about that because I, I just saw on your um, Instagram public speaking, you were talking about feeling awkward. So yes. what have you been doing public speaking about? I've just done a couple of public speaking roles, just more at the Royal Children's Hospital. I did a few speaking roles with them and then I went and um, did some at the Royal Talbot for, and on their What's Out There Day for people with spinal cord injuries. Oh, so talking about your spinal cord Yeah, injury. just talking about spinal cord injuries. In the Royal Children's Hospital, I just talked about my experience from transitioning from the children to adult service. Because you spent a lot of time at yeah. the children's, didn't you? You had a number of surgical procedures. Yeah, and, and I've been, I'd been, I grew up there pretty much, so I just talked about how I felt. And so you must feel a strong connection to the yeah, Royal Children's. Yeah, so one time I went there, I had to do it. There was a seminar that they wanted me to speak at, and it was felt so weird going there because, like, I was there as a like someone that was speaking, not as a patient. Mm. So I was walking around being like, "Oh, this isn't my hospital anymore. Like, I don't go here." Yeah, it was weird. Oh, but yeah, well, like you said, your second home. 
Mm. Who knows? You know, you're studying psychology. You might take that path. Yeah, I might, I might work there one day. You might work there one day or you might work with people who have spinal cord injuries. Mm. Like, I think you can use your experiences and what you've learned, what you've yeah. been through to help others. Mm. So let's talk about mental health. Yes. I imagine that life in a wheelchair with a spinal cord injury isn't all rainbows and lollipops by any means. Yeah. I imagine sometimes there's difficulties and low points. I'd love to hear what that's like for you and how you deal with that. Um, yeah, sometimes there's um, frustration, like I talked about earlier, but what I do is I try to... I really like keeping fit, so I use um, physical activity as a way to just release my frustrations and I find it really helpful, like going out and doing things that I like just to help me. And also, like, mindfulness and meditation and seeing the bigger picture is very helpful. Good. So... Um, you know, what we know about physical activity is that, yes, it helps mental health. So yeah. you've really identified that that's something that helps you. Yeah, especially, like, healthy eating. I'm really mm. – I'm a big person on healthy eating because I find that that really can help you see, like, your clarity and your thoughts. Mm. And I find that when I'm ever I eat healthier, I, um, I can really – have a clear mind so that holistic approach yeah healthy mind healthy body yes exactly healthy diet yes and the social connectedness so you've talked about you know your involvement in wheelchair sports mm-hmm. obviously having a bit of a connection with that community do you think that's helped you mentally? yeah i think that's well? really helpful yeah now i feel i can feel really connected in my sports and then i can feel connected in those around me and that can really help in that, that feeling of belonging and that you're not alone too. Yeah, no, I'm not alone, yeah. yeah. Okay, and I wanted to touch on the fact that you've, um, you have this passion around climate change and the yes. environment, and I noticed that you're a vegan. Yes. Ruby's recently gone vegan as well. Oh, so how Ruby, did she find who's it? nearly 15. Yeah, um, that was the age that Grace was when she went vegan. Oh, so Grace is vegan as well. Yeah, and Mum and Emily. We're all pretty much. It's almost the whole family. Yeah, Grace was vegan first, and then when Grace went vegan, my mum went vegan at the same time as, like, kind of helping her because um, mum was already vegetarian. Yes. And then I went vegetarian. Then a year later, I went vegan. And our Emily's recently gone vegan too. It must be easier to have so much of the family yeah. being vegan because I think that's been the challenge for us. Like, it's just Ruby who's vegan. Mm-hmm. So it's been a big learning curve for all of us. Mm-hmm. But obviously, what, what motivated that? You know, you're passionate about climate change. Um, yeah. Love the, of animals. Yeah, I think... Well, that that's what really helped like made the idea for me to go vegetarian was just the impact that the eating animals I didn't really connect with that mm. but then I watched a couple of documentaries on what the health and I read about the impacts that eating vegan has on your body and your mind and that's what really made me decide to go vegan and also the fact that so much like even though you're vegetarian a lot it's not still like it's still the same process so like the dairy industry isn't is just as bad as like the meat industry mm. so it's still harmful to animals yeah it's still harmful it? to animals and a lot of like just it's all the same process so like mm. those it's all the same business pretty much but yeah and also i really like the idea of like eating like solidly on plants and solidly on um just sustainable sustainable eating so i really like and the fact that that helps the environment and it's easy. Like, I don't find it difficult anymore. Mm, well, particularly if, you know, there's a number of you within yeah. the family system eating that way. Yeah. It's probably a lot easier, 
Mm, I think so, yeah. So what's next for Maya Dove? Busy studying, busy working, any like events or anything coming up in terms of your athletics or? Um, no, just training. Not How often do you train? Uh, I like training every day. What sort of training do you do? Talk I to us do, about that. Um, I do a few sessions in the, in the race chair. So usually that's like sprints or like intervals or efforts. And then um, I like doing like hit training, so high intensity training using like weights and cardio or then I like doing going to the gym and just doing a solid weight session. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so just train, no events not, in the near future. Not in the near future. It's our season is rain, mostly in summer. So um right now it's more like long distance, but I'm just trying to focus on getting my times a bit shorter. Oh, okay. So. Are you is long distance not something that's a favorite for you like would you prefer the shorter distances yeah I prefer the shorter distances I can do long I did it I've done a 10 and a 15k which was they were long mm. yeah how long do I'm curious as to how long a 10 kilometer takes in a race chair um it can take any it just depends but for me my 15 took an hour and 15 um but some people they can do it in an hour okay so, or even under an hour mm. so a lot of upper body yeah. I imagine you've got a really build that upper body strength yeah I found that really helpful in um in Europe too because I was pushing everywhere I really I didn't catch Ubers or anything and I only caught um public transport if it was like too far a lot of time I was just walking everywhere and I found that was really helpful well clearly you know you've got to use um a wheelchair that requires you to yeah. push because I, I guess I have a lot of memories of you being in your electric wheelchair yeah. So do you still use an electric wheelchair? No, I, um, I stopped using that when I was 13. Oh, well, um, there you go. That's yeah. how long it's been. Yeah. yeah. Mum and Dad were kind of like, no, you're old enough now. You're not sick anymore. You can do the exercise. <laughs> yeah, suck it up, princess. Yeah. Time for you to start using your upper body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, thank you for coming and having a no chat worries. today. Um, I guess the last thing I want to ask you is how does Maya Dove lead a mindful life? I think... For me, it's just being conscious of my actions and conscious of everything that's around me and just being present and really thinking about what I'm doing and what's happening around me. What about gratitude? Does that play a role for you? Because gratitude's a big, big part of mindfulness. Yeah, um, yeah, I take a lot of gratitude for what happens. and Yeah. Good. Well, thank you for coming and having a chat thank today. You. It was wonderful to, to catch up with you yeah, again. Yeah, thank you. Yes. If for any reason you have found the content of today's podcast triggering or distressing in any way, please consider accessing some professional support. Australian mental health telephone support numbers are listed in the show notes. You've been listening to the Mindful Life podcast with your host, Marianne Eve, mental health social worker and mindfulness educator. If you'd like further information or you'd like to connect, feel free to make contact via Facebook or Instagram under the handle Mindful Life Podcast or via email mindfullifepodcast at gmail.com.